Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. We are going back to school after summer break, and we thought we should talk about another topic related to back to school, which is extracurricular activities when you're blind or visually impaired. And I'm excited to have three co-hosts joining me today, Ishita, Jagad, and Nolan. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Uh, thank you. Hello. Hello. Uh, so Jagad and Ishita, you both have had quite a lot of experience with extracurricular activities. Why don't you start by uh, reminding our listeners a little bit about yourselves, your level of vision, and then what are some of the clubs that you've been a part of? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Ishita. I have a condition called colon dystrophy, which primarily f- affects my central field of vision. Um, so I can see general shapes and colors, but have issues with seeing finer details. And throughout school, I did a, quite a few of extracurricular activities. I did student council. I was co-president uh, my final year of grade 12. Uh, and I did a couple of clubs. I did environmental club and literature club kind of throughout high school. And I did, um, I played on the sports team for my school. So the basketball team in grade eight and nine. Hello listeners, I'm Jagad and I'm in grade 10 after this summer. And I've also been a part of many extracurricular activities. Like I've served student council for two years and I'm currently serving student council. And I've been a part of some clubs like being a part of chess club, investors club, and actually starting the debate club. Uh, we also have Nolan with us. And Hello. Nolan, you why don't you introduce yourself and, and explain why you wanted to be part of this conversation? Yes, um, I'm Nolan. I'm 15 years old, going into grade 10. And my level of vision, I can only like see a little bit of light, nothing else. I also have Lieber's congenital amaurosis. And the reason that I was like interested to be in this podcast is because I want to be in some kind of extracurricular activities. And I have done some like after school stuff like outside of school, but I'm kind of interested to see what what kind of programs can be done within school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. I, I know when I was in high school, I was really active in the band and, and choir, like all the music programs, but I didn't really join other clubs or sports or anything like that. And a big reason was because of my visual impairment and worries that I wouldn't be able to do what was required. Um, I didn't really understand at that point about accommodations or how to ask for them. So it can be scary for sure. Um, Ishita and Jagad, I'm just wondering, did you have concerns like that when, when you 
considered joining some school programs? I think I was a bit hesitant going into some more than others. So I saw environment, like the clubs more so as stuff that I was interested in and wanted to do regardless. Um, and luckily the, my school didn't really have many options. Um, and the ones that were offered like environmental club and literature club were really accessible. I wouldn't say there was any issues in terms of um, doing stuff that was very like heavily visual um, and it was mostly student directed. So even if there was, I was able to give input and change stuff. So that, that aspect I would say was pretty um, like not an issue. But definitely for student council and um, joining a basketball team, the school's team was pretty nerve wracking because in, in basketball, you're not the only person you're playing in a part of a team. And if you're not able to rise up and sort of be on level with everyone else, um, you could very well bring the team down and cause a lot of issues that way. So that was a little bit of like a concern for me going into it. Um, and I'll get into kind of how that played out, but um, similar to student council, um, you're putting yourself out there in front of the whole school. I, I did go to a fairly small school. I would say like 300 or 400 students, not too big compared to some of the other schools around here, but um, it was a little bit nerve wracking because yes, I, I was the only student in the school who was visually impaired and that tend to, that got around quite a bit and everyone did know me because of that, but presenting yourself in front of everyone saying that, you know, convincing them to try to vote for you. Um, was a little bit scary because um, of some internalized, oh, am I good enough for this position? Would they see me as less than just because I can't see very well? Um, mm -hmm. And again, I'll go into how those played out, but I definitely had a little bit of concerns into those two activities in particular. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so when I entered high school, I didn't plan on joining any clubs because I felt like extracurricular activities were basically more school. But at the start of grade nine, I got introduced to the chess club and chess is a game that I like. So I thought, yeah, let's give it a shot. And um, when I joined it, it was less visual than I expected because everything was related to chess and I had a board and pieces that were for the blind and sighted. So that worked out really well. The only problem was that some chess clocks were um, like visual. So that was a hard thing to go around, but we figured it out in the end. And after joining that club, I got inspired to join more. And I actually joined chess club after I joined student council. So that was basically where um, it all ignited, like my excitement to join more clubs. So joining student council, in my campaign, I didn't do anything different because I'm blind, because there are two aspects to this. One is that you could think that people are not going to vote for you because they may have some concerns, but there's also this aspect that people might get motivated by you when you join student council as a blind person. And I've actually had one of the members come up to me and uh, be like, wow, you're so inspirational. And I just felt proud at that point because, um, yeah, I, I joined it and it worked out for me. And there have been some problems in student council. Like it's um, like 
student forums and we have this thing where students can enter their inputs and that was going to happen on paper but then hopefully um like yeah the my input worked on that so that got digital so that was great and i find the simplest way um is always to ask because you have to give them your input so they can improve because they might not automatically know that and then i joined the investors club which i also thought would be visual but turned out that the websites and all that weren't that big of a deal and after that i got inspired to start debate club because i like debates and i'd seen through my experience of not only joining clubs but throughout life that advocacy is an important skill so to promote that i i started the debate club so i have some questions um ishita you're talking about basketball and being part of a team and worrying about letting down the team like did how did how did that work out for you were were there ever was there ever a situation where you felt like you let down the team or did they make you know how how was it <laughs> yeah no i think i would say overall good um i joined basketball i i played basketball kind of all throughout school i think i started when i was in kindergarten so um I was a little bit nervous going into high school because, you know, you do have to try out for the team and then get selected and then kind of get your positions based on however you play and all that. So going through that process was kind of interesting because it wasn't the regular coach that I was used to being taught by. Um, it was a coach from a different district who didn't know me. So needing to introduce myself and prove myself initially was a bit of a like a complicated process so um luckily they did let me try out and I, I didn't have to push too hard because the coach that you that knew me very well was present at the time and convinced them hey give give her a chance there's no reason she can't try it out if she does well um in the practice game which was our tryout um let her in this, uh, treat her as you would treat anyone else so that happened I ended up getting a few points and played pretty well on the different positions, like on defense and all that. So um, got in and then practices kind of came up every, I believe it was every week we would have a couple of practices. So that was a bit of an interesting thing because we did drills that I was not used to. So being um, in a team. So if you needed to do a certain position or get yourself aligned on the court in a certain way, you would, you would use code words um, that would sort of, uh, usually the way that the coach described it was you would do certain hand gestures mm -hmm. to sort of uh, communicate with everyone that that's what you're going to do. Um, that wasn't going to work for me because I wouldn't be able to see the gesture done by the point guard who was the captain. So I requested if we could use words and maybe like a certain sound. So the sound that I proposed was hit the ball once if you want to do this position, hit the ball twice if you want to do this position. It's just as secretive um, mm -hmm. for the other team. They're not going to know mm -hmm. what we're going to, what position we're going to get into. It's just more accessible for me to know what we're doing, hear the sound, hear the word, get into the position I have to get into. Um, so that took a little bit of a convincing to the team. Um, I just sort of, uh, the team uh, luckily was, was really on board. It was just the coach was not used to, I think, getting input from the students. And when I sat down with them and talked to them and say, this is how it needs to be. 
in order for me to play well, um, it, it ended up working out fine. So it just took a little bit of time in the beginning to get everything settled. Um, and, you know, there were games where I thought that I was bringing the team down because um, maybe I was like, I get stress headaches a little bit around my eyes. So I don't, I tend not to do, play as well on those days. So I actually requested to be out on certain games or be on the bench and only go in as a substitute rather than a regular. So I was able to determine when I was and wasn't able to play. And the coach was accommodating, like, okay, let's switch the lineup around and you can go towards the back if you feel comfortable with that. But um, I think kind of once we went throughout the whole um, year and played games, I think the team got more and more comfortable with me and I got more uncomfortable with, I got more comfortable with them. And the coach was also more accommodating throughout. So a little bit of a, like a trial in the beginning, but end up working out really well. That is so impressive to be like a teenager and approach your coach that you don't even know and ask for this change in how that person has probably been coaching for years. Right. Like mm-hmm. how intimidating. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. It, it was, uh, thank you. It was a little bit of like, a, uh, I don't, you know, I did want to leave at one point. Cause I'm like, I feel like this was more of a headache than not, but I really did enjoy playing basketball and doing stuff after school, which is what I was used to doing before. Um, like basketball camps wasn't an option because of O&M becoming more intense and meeting with my vision teacher. So it wasn't an option anymore. So I'm like, if I want to play, it's only going to be this way. So I was determined to still stay on the team. Yeah. Um, and it, luckily they, you know, you just approach it with kindness and like to God said, advocacy is a very important skill to learn. Um, and I applied those there and ended up working out really well. I have a, a different question for Jagad. Um, what was the process of starting the debate club? Like you said, you started a club. How do you do that? The first thing that you need to start a club is to find members for it, because you can't really start a club with yourself in it and just hope that someone will come. So you first need to recruit members. So basically you can... One way of doing it is asking your friends and all that and asking other people. But the other way of doing it is writing announcements for it and have it announced on the PA system. So this all the school knows about it. So I basically incorporated those two processes and I got members. So the next part was actually starting a club. So the first thing, the second thing that you need for a club is to find a teacher sponsor at least in our school. I don't know about others, but in our school, you need a teacher sponsor for your club um, who can basically supervise the club or like, yeah, just give you permission to use their classroom. So I pitched it in front of a couple of teachers and um, one of them actually ended up liking it. And so that got worked out. And the next process was going to the admin and asking them for permission to start the club and for a better marketing system of actually uh, selling out the idea like maybe posting the idea on um, online sources like teams channels which is teams our school uses teams so making a team channel for it so once i did all those three processes the yeah it was started do you actually run it or do you just like the teacher whose classroom it is runs it and you just came up with the idea of starting it 
No, I actually run. The teachers are mostly not even there. It's just basically that I need their permission to use their classroom. That's why you need a uh, sponsor. So I run the thing. Okay. I want to go back to chess because I'm just curious if your opponents have ever... Well, I have a couple questions because I, I play chess, but only with like my eight-year-old son because that's the level I'm at. But <laughs> I I feel like you know, it takes a while for me to like feel where all the pieces are and figure out my move. I'm also not very good, but you know, do, do you find that you're slower because you have to look with your hands? Um, do people, how do people respond to you when you're playing them? Does it, my son will like put my hand on the piece that he just moved so I can figure that out. But I imagine that that doesn't happen in a tournament. So how does that work? Yeah, so like I said, at first it was um, very challenging. And when my first tournament happened, I actually asked the chess club president to make my games like more accommodable. So I wouldn't have to play online, but still I would have the time that I need over the board. Mm -hmm. So we ended up doing basically classical without clocks. But as I got better at doing the online and inputting my moves, um, I started going to that solution. But also another way is that you can um, maybe ask for more time for yourself to, um, to, yeah, to basically balance the fact that you need more time to feel the board. So maybe like you have like a three second increment after every move, because it basically takes around like three, four seconds to feel the board, at least for me. But um, yeah, those... Those are the solutions. But would would an opponent have an objection to you getting more time? Or yeah, has that ever might, happened? But no, but they might have an objection, in which case then uh, we just play without clocks then. Mm, okay. When yeah. you're using the online version as well, are you able to sort of look at that or listen to that while the other person is taking their turn? Cause that's another thing. Like when you're sighted, you can look at the board, you can be studying the board while the other person's taking their turn. But when you're blind, you got to get your hands out of there. Right. Cause it's their turn yeah. now. <laughs> yes. Um, if I have my own board, like we are playing online and if, if I have my own board, the other person can obviously see the board on the computer, right? So, mm -hmm. like, it's not blind mode for them. It's for me. Right. Um, so I can feel around on my board as much as I want because they are oh. looking at the screen. Oh, so they're board. not even interested in the actual physical board. That's just for you. Yeah. Okay. If, if you're playing online over the board like i said you can yeah. do it without clocks but without clocks sometimes games go a bit too long mm -hmm. something uh, jagatsa kind of interested me um kind of like i i saw this video of a grandmaster playing um chess and he was versing four people at once um and he said something very interesting it was that he and a lot of grandmasters are experts to the point where they have the board memorized and can play blindfolded. And he did in that video. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so that's, that's, I thought that was really interesting because he kind of explained it like mental mapping and being able to visualize it in your own head. Um, and I would think that someone who's blind would be extra great at that because that tends to happen in everyday life when you're doing like just stuff in general, when you're trying to map out a room or do O&M and that kind of stuff. Um, so do you do that, Jakar? Like, do you mental map the board or do you have the numbers memorized um, when you're yeah, playing? Yeah, I have all that memorized and I do it sometimes, but not in anything as serious as a tournament because I don't want that risk to be there. Uh, yeah. Or not really a risk, but like something which is like basically like normal and not like a tournament. I've done that many times against players. <laughs> Have either of you ever had a situation where it went horribly wrong? You know, you joined a club and it was terrible or other, the other members of the club had objections to the accommodations you needed or any? Actually, I did. You did. Oh, no. Did. What happened? Yeah. Well, um, for some reason, actually, I know the reason. I decided back in grade five to join my school's volleyball team. It didn't quite work out. The only reason I really joined was because my best friend was in it. And it wasn't very, they didn't really do a good job at adapting it. So volleyball is pretty visual <laughs> and like mm -hmm. flying balls in the air. And I remember playing volleyball in PE and I was in an adapted PE class. So it was all, it was a class all for, for students with disabilities in high school. And when we did volleyball, we tried like a beach ball. We tried like a bunch of balloons tied together and you know, it was still like, like I said, I only joined because my best friend was on the team. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of, that would be tough. That would be a tough one to make accessible, I think. But that must have been disappointing that it didn't work out. So, I mean, another question I have is, well, has there been a situation where you were worried that it wouldn't go well and it surprisingly went amazing? Um, yes. So in student council, um, we... We had forms which were written by students about their questions to the council, and those were planned to be done on paper. And I was new in council, like, I don't know if it was my first or second year, but I was still new. And I didn't know if one person's input would count as much to change the um, whole process of it, but it ended up working out well. And when it got digital, it was, so did like it was so accessible that I could actually read the questions and all that. Let's talk about student council a little because that's uh, I mean, I never would have in a million years even considered student council when I was a teenager. So I'm I'm like, that's something that like the really cool, important kids do. So I'm super impressed that you guys did that. What made you want to go for it? I think I've said this before, but before I joined any clubs, I joined the student council. So I didn't have much experience in being part of anything extracurricular, really. So what inspired me for that is I, I ran for a great representative position because I wanted to lead and represent my grade. And I don't know, it was something that I liked doing a lot. Like I dreamed of like, 
I like lead, leadership roles and stuff. So that made me run for a great rep position. And luckily I got in. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ishta? Uh, for me, it was a bit of a weird experience. Um, so when I was, I would say all throughout high school, I was a very shy uh, person. I always wanted to do leadership positions. I wanted to be that person who was confident enough to to do it. But I always thought that I wasn't that person. So I kind of put myself in a box. Um, and I believe in grade 11, um, we had this thing called prefix, um, which essentially is kind of like, I, I would say, like a person who helps maintain order in the school. So we had a few of those um, chosen by the teachers, um, and they're kind of labeled as responsible students who can help enforce some of the rules that were in my school. So I was chosen for prefect um, for, I think, half the year and did that and, you know, got quite a bit of praise and encouragement from my teachers that I could be a leader and live and kind of not live, I would say, like, just do things for like by example. Um, And when grade 12 came around and student council was an option, I thought, why not? Uh, That was literally my thought. My thought was, I want to look back on high school and be proud the fact that I tried, even if I don't get it, that I ran, that I gave it my best. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. At least I can say I ran. Um, And then we all get into the sort of campaign story a little bit later because it was kind of funny. But um, I did run. I put my name forward because of it. And it was just a you know, this is kind of the only chance I'll get because I'm in my grade 12 year and I want to do leadership stuff when I get out of high school. So why not see what happens? Yeah. Okay. Well, so how was the campaigning? Like, did you, did everyone know you were visually impaired? Like, if not, did you disclose that? Like, what, what did you have to do differently? I'm very curious. Well, I would say funny. It was so, well, basically my campaign was non-existent. Um, So I didn't know we had to campaign. Uh, (laughs) So that was kind of my situation where I put my name forward and I'm like, I, and I went most ambitious. I'm like, I want to do president. Um, And we had another girl in my class also going for president. And we had another boy in my class going for president. Um, And the way that our campaign sort of like worked was that if you have uh, friends or members that can fill each position, so um, president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, um, I think those are the positions. Um, If you have at least four or five people willing to do those with you in your own group, you can propose sort of like uh, your own council and your own team. So two of the other people had that they had their own their I would consider them popular and they had their whole team ready. They had like um, full on campaign posters uh, and put their like, you know, they had council names as well. Like they named themselves and they had that already. Um, And then there was me (laughs) just just put my name forward for president. And I don't even think anyone knew I was running. Um, And one girl actually came up to me and she said, I love your campaign strategy. No one knows you're running and that's actually making people talk about you because they want to know more about you. And I'm like, we have to campaign. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, so that was kind of the, I would say the campaign story. No one knew. I think I had one poster up in front of my locker and that was it. Um, 
But essentially, we had other opportunities to speak. So what during the campaign, we had a debate, I would say. So it was kind of like labeled as a debate. And this is where everyone gets into the auditorium and the presidents as long, uh, alongside their vice president, if they feel comfortable to, can get up on the stage and answer questions. Kind of like, I would say, like you, you would see political debates, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it worked was we each would have a minute to talk about a topic that was proposed to us. So we couldn't prepare other than what we just wanted to talk about in terms of how we would answer a question, but there was no, we had no prior knowledge as to what the questions were going to be. So uh, I was a bit worried going into that because the way that they were going to signal time was up by having a teacher in front of you because they couldn't physically have someone yell at you to say, stop talking to interrupt the whole (laughs) assembly. They were having a teacher in front of us saying like, putting their hand up so indicating for 10 minutes and then sorry 10 seconds five seconds then time's up Mm. um and I didn't know that was going to happen until like maybe five minutes before and I said I don't think that's going to work for me I'm going to need someone to either physically tap me on the shoulder or say hey time's up or rip the mic out of my hand whatever I can't do it visually and um we need to figure that out so what we ended up doing was the uh, one of my um person who was campaigning against me was actually kind enough to because she was sitting next to me to let me know when the time was up um and then I would just pass the mic down to the next person so Mm. it was a bit of a nerve-wracking experience just because I was unsure as to what the questions were going to be plus this added element of I don't want to go over time unintentionally and kind of do that but ended up going pretty well and um because there was kind of infighting between the two big groups um, I just kind of focused on my, what I wanted to do and kind of just based my stuff on my, I would say like a platform, kind of what I wanted to change in the school and turned out pretty well. Like I kind of wasn't involved in any of the extra stuff that was going on and just tried to focus on what I wanted to say, uh, ended up doing pretty well. And then we kind of did an unofficial poll afterwards to see kind of where everyone was at in the running. And I, my popularity went up a bit, so um, awesome. that was that and how I got the position was even funnier because, um, one whole team ended up getting disqualified because they didn't hand in their speeches in on time. <laughs> so me and the other person ended up being co-presidents by default. Wow. So that's kind of how I got the position, even though I was prepared to, to give a speech and everything, we all had that prepared except for them. And because they were hard on deadlines, they got disqualified and then me and the other person won. So very chaotic experience, I would say, and very unexpected outcomes. But that was kind of how I went about it. I just focused on what I wanted to do. And uh, I did go into it with people knowing I was visually impaired, but I also made sure to um, talk about it in my speech, not shy away from it, that Mm -hmm. I wanted to make an inclusive school in whatever way I could. And people actually came up to me afterwards and asked me questions about it um, because I opened myself up to questions if they wanted to ask about my blindness or how I plan to make things inclusive. Um, So that was really nice having people come up to me and actually be interested in that. So I definitely did not shy away from it. I made it as clear as possible and wanted to make it open, an open part of discussion. So Jagad, how about you? Did you, did you, um, Do people know that you were blind? Did you have, did you talk about that in your campaign? What did you do? So my campaign story is a lot different and the rules were a lot different because my campaign happened during COVID. So there were no posters. There were no 
speaking in front of the school. Everything was online. So you submitted a video where you spoke for a minute and then you submitted that and the school would basically vote online on, on who should be selected for the specific position. And in our school, if, there's only, if there are only two people running for a grade representative position, then you get acclaimed by default to the council. So in my first year, I got acclaimed, but my second year, I had to campaign. And it was kind of weird because the person who was running against me was a good friend of mine. <laughs> so it was sort of weird. But by that time, I the school had known me better, I would say, than my first year. Like, I had more support by my second year with, like, friends and all that and some of the school. So, yeah, that... I did get selected in my second year after the campaign. So Nolan, um, hearing yes. all of these stories, I don't know. What are you thinking about a, signing up for a club this year? Is there is there a particular club at your school that you've considered? Well, the thing is, I'm actually going to a new school. High school starts in grade 10 for us. And yeah, I'm definitely going to try and see what kind of clubs there are and maybe see if I can start something if there isn't anything that I am interested in. Jagad and Ishita, do you have any advice for a teen who is maybe feeling nervous about joining a club because of their visual impairment? What what would you say to them? So I would say that just try it. Like You can't go wrong with trying it. If you don't find it well um, accommodating and if you don't like it you can always quit but it's it's good to be as much involved in school as you can be which will teach you a lot of skills and maybe important later in life when you apply for a job like you can write in your portfolio that i signed up for this i signed up for this which will tell the person who is recruiting you that you you have had a lot of involvement so it, it may be hard to approach a club. It may be hard just like um, input your ideas, but just try it. Yeah, no, I would just echo what Jagad said. Um, you can't go wrong by just trying it out. Uh, like I said, I was very shy going into high school. I never thought that I would ever be student council president. Um, I always thought it was a popularity contest. Um, and yes, technically luck was on my side, a win by default, but I would still say... Um, the whole experience itself really did boost my confidence even before I got the position. Um, and being able to work on a council with people, um, planning events, all that stuff was something I ended up doing a little bit in my job when I graduated. So it was very helpful skills that I learned just by, you know, giving it a shot and trying and saying, why not? And putting my name forward. So just give it a shot. And, and also in sports, sports are something that I think a lot of people really limit themselves in if they're blind or partially sighted. Um, my school did not provide any adaptable sports or anything. Um, and I was in the position that I either had to give it up or persist and make it accessible for myself. Um, and I decided to go with the latter option. So uh, you never know, even if your school doesn't provide adaptable sports, maybe you can have a hand in changing that and working with coaches or PE teachers and making it 
adaptable if you have a passion. Um, and if you have a passion, start the club. If it's not in there already, start it. You can do any type of club from art to dance, to debate, to sports, to literature, anything. If you have a passion um, and you have an idea, uh, propose it. And um, if it works out, that'll be awesome. A great experience to, to have for yourself. And also your input about accessibility might improve future students to come to that school and might encourage them more who mm -hmm. may be in the same boat as you in this case, like of needing the same kind of accessibility. Yeah, you're blazing the trail for the, those coming behind you, for sure. It's interesting when you get to university, there's even more clubs. And I didn't join any clubs in university either. And I think if I had you know, the stakes are a little lower in high school, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a little, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe if I had done something in high school, I would have been more likely to do it in university too. So I don't know, just kind of like get you, gets you out of your comfort zone and, and used to putting yourself out there, which is something you got to do in life. Right. Mm -hmm, for sure. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, all of you. This has been very interesting conversation and, and maybe some teens will join some new clubs this year. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, like, subscribe, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.